Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. For our next guest that is in a totally different, uh, different time zone, uh, but we need to make sure, first of all, that uh, we get the geography right because just a little bit confusing because the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, England are 14 days away. There is currently another global multi-sporting event happening in Birmingham, Birmingham, Alabama, probably better known for their uh, American football, their barbecue, their buds, etc. But that's where our next guest is, a friend of the show, of course, a very familiar voice to us here on SENZ. Uh, Mark Watson finds himself uh, over there. So, Mark, uh, uh, I'm not quite sure of the time zone, I imagine. It's, uh, good afternoon, mate, uh, or good, early good evening. Uh, how, how are you finding Birmingham, Alabama? Yeah, thank you, Smithy. Lovely to be on the program. Yeah, we're sort of um, six hours ahead of you guys, uh, seven hours ahead of you guys, but you're a day ahead, if that makes sense. So it's just ticked over six o'clock in the evening. Uh, look, yeah, look, um, before I sort of get into uh, what I'm actually doing here is, yeah, Birmingham, Alabama, famous for the civil rights movement. So it was here in 1963 that Martin Luther King and a group of others from the Southern Baptist Church said, enough is enough. We want equal rights, Birmingham, Alabama was arguably the most segregated city in the United States and um, black people weren't allowed to be part of the police force, the fire department, bank tellers, clerks, uh, separate drinking fountains, separate sort of public amenities. And it was really from here that they went on these peace marches and sort of got a whole lot of university students and young kids to march as well. And they got a sort of a resolution two months later in May and then from here, those peace marches picked up, went around the country, ended up in Washington in July later that year. And that was when uh, Martin Luther King had his famous speech, I Have a Dream. So very famous for its civil rights. Uh, but it playing host to the World Games, and that's what I'm here for. The World Games have been going since 1981. They are supported by the International Olympic Committee. And they are considered to sort of be the Olympic Games for non-Olympic sports. So 34 sports in all, 3,600 athletes. 1,500 accredited media, and it basically runs for about 10 days. You've been there before? Have you done uh, done a World Games before, Mark? You've been, you're a well-travelled man. No, look, I haven't. I'm probably like a lot of New Zealanders. I didn't really know much about the World Games. I think in New Zealand we tend to be so focused traditionally on the Commonwealth Games and on the Olympics that a lot of people you talk to are going, what? Never heard of them. Yet when you come here and you see the size of the Italian, the French, the Scandinavian countries, you see their teams walking into the opening ceremony, it's sort of like, how have we missed this? How have we not seen a lot of this in the past? So it is a first for me and it is a big challenge because there are a lot of sports here that I have to say I'm not that familiar with. Well, it's uh, one of the great parts about it. I guess uh, you're learning all the time, and that's uh, why we've got you on as well, so you can, we can be better informed about the whole deal. What about a New Zealand team? Uh, how many how many have we got competing over there and what kind of disciplines? Yeah, so we've got a couple of New Zealand teams in canoe polo, 
um, that, which is actually quite strong. They have a facility there at uh, Lake Pupuki in Auckland. Um, we've got a couple of archers who have been in action. And then we've got a, a team in the women's in a game called Fistball. Now, Fistball has been going really since about 240 AD, based on my research. And Fistball is a combination of volleyball and beach volleyball. So it's played outdoors on a grass court, the length of the court is 50 metres, the width of the court is 20 metres, and you have five players on each team, you have a service line that is just three metres back from the net, the net is set at two metres, and so like volleyball, you've got to get the ball back over the opposition's net, you're allowed to you're allowed to touch the ball three times on your side, but the difference is the ball can bounce once after every touch, and I've got to say, calling uh, both men's semi-finals this morning, and then the women's bronze medal match. I was just absolutely impressed by the skill set. Uh, Germans are world champions. Uh, Brazil were in the mix. Switzerland made it through to the final as well. Um, Austria very very strong at it. And so our New Zealand women's team finished fifth in that, beating the United States in that playoff of fifth and sixth. Uh, in regards to other New Zealanders, look, I'll be honest, I just haven't had a chance to go through the disciplines. I know previously um, we have had a lot of competitors competing in the surf life-saving side of it. So they have pool events over here which um, are based around surf life-saving mannequin events, uh, swimming with obstacles. Now, you might laugh at that, but that is actually a big part of the World Surf Lifesaving Championships. Uh, when the New Zealand Surf Lifesaving team go to the World Championships, the second week is dedicated to that. Um, the Australians are big on it but they don't actually have the beach component, just the pool side of it. Mark, uh, when we talk about the Olympic Games, the Commonwealth Games, etc., cetera, we, we, we sort of envisage uh, mass villages, but we talk about when we talk about sporting venues, we've got stadiums, purpose-built stadiums, etc., Olympic-sized swimming pools, etc. What kind of quirky little venues then have you got for these particular sports that you've been to? Yeah, look, they've got some traditional venues. So, like, this flag football tonight, which, believe it or not, I've actually got to go and commentate, which is basically like flag rugby, except it's American football. So I'm just using YouTube to do a quick couple of tutorials on it. Fortunately, I've got an American voice next to me to give me a bit of credibility. Um, but that's been actually played at Legion Field. And now Legion Field was, was used for the Football World Cup when it was held here in America. Um, it's also a famous ground. The big university over here is the University of Alabama, known as the Crimson Tide. Nick Saban coaches them. They've arguably been the best American collegiate football program in the country, and their big rival is Auburn. And that game was always played at Legion Field. Um, that's not the case now because both universities have their own world-class facilities. But what they've actually done with a lot of the sports is they've just gone into big conference centres and basically just set up indoor courts, um, further down the road, you know, what the Americans are like, they just seem to have so many venues. The hottest ticket in town has actually been the sumo um, smoothie. And so that was fascinating, fascinating. So rather than just the Japanese and maybe some Mongolians and a few Hawaiians, you had these sumo wrestlers from right around the world. And they actually put them into different weight classes and even the women. And there was a lot of controversy because in the sumo, You've got the dojo, which is very sacred, and the sport is based a lot on tradition, and there's a lot of things you can't do. And the Egyptian ended up winning one division, and he was so happy that he actually did a backflip and showed a lot of emotion, which is just a major no-no. You just do not do that. The whole thing is about humility. The whole thing is about respect. And he should have been disqualified, but the crowd was behind him, and the police presence at this facility was unbelievable. And so they ended up having a little bit of a – they had a replay, and the Egyptian won it again. 
and this time he showed um, a little bit more respect, only for a Ukrainian athlete, believe it or not, 10 minutes later to come out and decide that it was his turn to do a couple of aerial somersaults and yeah there was a heavy police presence that caused a lot of controversy over here and that is the one thing downtown Birmingham Alabama is pretty much shut down huge police presence um, and just making sure that these games do run well they are the biggest event to come to the United States since the 96 Olympics in Atlanta Uh, but yeah just getting back to your other question regarding the events uh, part of these world games is that you pretty much have to utilize the facilities within a city they're not they don't want to be the Olympics. They don't want to cripple cities economically by having to build all these facilities that end up just becoming a white elephant. But, you know, like a lot of American facilities, they're just so much, they're they're just so incredibly well resourced, say, compared to what we get in New Zealand. Okay, uh, let's look at one or two of the other sports that catch my eye here. Ballroom dancing, artistic roller skating and tug of war. Yeah, look, I this is this is uh, I went and watched the ballroom dancing the other day, uh, and and I've got to say I, I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. To be perfectly honest, I mean, there's a lot of ceremony to it, but the precision and um, yeah, what I watched, I found it quite entertaining. Look, will it ever become an Olympic sport? Probably not. But then you have to understand, break dancing is the next Olympics in Paris, and that came out of the World Games. That is still going at the moment. The break dancing has been run in a really cool sort of industrial park. And I was watching a little bit, bit of that the other day, and you can't you, you can't argue the athleticism, whether it's a sport, whether it should be there is another thing. Yeah, artistic roller skating. Well, I guess, look, is it really any different than ice skating at the Winter Olympics? Um, I guess that is the question. Uh, but they've got, you know, still got a lot of the traditional sports like the rhythmic gymnastics here as well. Um, but, yes, modern sports like parkour, that uh, sort of running sort of through the streets, doing acrobatic aerials from sort of wall to wall is another part of the program. So, yeah, I don't be surprised if you see a few of these um, sports in the future go to the Olympics. The sport that I feel um, probably has the best chance is inline roller skating. Uh, you know, they have the 10,000 metres out on the road, not dissimilar really to track cycling. You have the points race. Uh, they have the fastest over 100 metres, 200 metres. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of drafting that goes on. Uh, every country in Europe's well represented. And there was a guy, um, Bart, I'm just trying to remember his name, Bart Sills, I think, who actually won a gold medal at the Winter Olympics in ice skating and speed skating on the track, and it was Belgium's first gold medal in 70-odd years at the Beijing Winter Olympics. He turned up here and did the inline skating and just took the sport to another level. He was incredible, incredible over the 10,000-metre points race and just brought huge credibility to that event. There's a movement apparently online to bring inline hockey into the Olympic arena in time for Los Angeles 2028. Is, Is there merit in what you've seen in that? Yeah, I just actually watched the highlights. I didn't get to call it, um, but I just watched the highlights today of the United States uh, winning that one and very similar to ice hockey. Wonderful skill set. Look, it's gladiatorial. Um, I think there's a lovely crossover. You know, a lot of Americans and North Americans who grow up playing hockey or ice hockey over there in the summertime. It it is sort of a natural crossover. And yeah, look, I, I think when you watch those sports live, I think New Zealanders would love it. If we, you like your rugby, you like your rugby league, you'll enjoy ice hockey, and I think you'll certainly enjoy your inline hockey. Look, look, what you want to do is you want to have sports that have got true global depth to them, where you know you're going to get really good competition th- throughout it. 
Um, and, and it's funny, you know, when you come here, you sort of, I guess, realise just how sheltered we are in New Zealand. And maybe, well, in my case, I, I, almost a little bit of ignorance on my behalf because I'm being introduced to these sports. And then when I start researching them, you start to realise just how big these leagues are in Europe and, and just how big these sports are and the fact they are sort of professional-based sports. Uh, one of the sports that I thoroughly, um, thoroughly enjoyed um, calling was a hybrid version of ice hockey and field hockey. It played indoors. Yeah, you're in shoes. You've got an aerated ball. Um, and I could see that really sort of taking off in New Zealand as well. And, um, yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, it's it, it's it's different. The problem is, I think it's probably just a little bit too different for the American audience, particularly in the southern states. The Americans, with the greatest respect, I think, tend to be a little insular, like their NBA, like their mm. football. Um, not necessarily big ones for dipping their toes in and looking at other things. So I guess in some venues, the crowds have probably been a little bit disappointing. Okay, and it's interesting. What and what about um, viewing viewing numbers worldwide? Would you have any idea on on how well it's received worldwide? Yeah, it is. I mean, the fact that the IOC support it um, says that they clearly have a lot of interest. Um, yes, very big across Europe. We've got a lot of pressure on us as commentators from the individual sporting bodies themselves, uh, making sure that we give them. Um, you know, we do our due diligence, and we, you know do the sports justice and some sports are providing us with experts to make sure that is done but certainly yeah i know the global audience i mean 107 countries represented here and i'm told that we're going through more than 100 countries globally um but you know it it, it is tough as a commentator there's only actually six of us glenn lama actually is another one glenn's actually working out of new zealand remotely and then I'm over here with three others. And so as a commentator, we've got to be, really, we can do any of the 34 sports. I love that challenge. Um, and I love that, you know, just that, that I guess, that fear of failure, Smithy, that sometimes goes with live broadcasting. But, yeah, by all accounts, I mean, the big production team here, the production company's based out of Spain, based out of Madrid, where the Olympic Broadcast Service is also based. So a lot of resource put into it, a lot of trucks, a lot of people employed. Um, I, I just admire the person, and you'll, you'll respect this, Smithy. You see all these television sets, you see a million people working at computers, cut, and there's one person who knows how every single damn thing works, which button to push. <laughs> and if you pull this cable out, the whole thing shuts down. Who is that man? Who is that man? <laughs> who is that man? You couldn't do without him, eh? Any uh, outside broadcast, and uh, there are a few of those around uh, New Zealand as well, I can promise you that. Uh, uh, Mark, um, I just the, the, from the commentary aspect of it, what, when you when you walk away and when these are uh, done and dusted and you walk away, what do you reckon you're going to get out of it? Oh, for me, look, this has always just been a childhood dream. This is just a passion for me. Oh, this is all I ever wanted to do. So, oh, I'm just incredibly honoured that. I'm part of an official archive um, for a really historic sporting event. No different than last year working in Tokyo. Um, you know, I got to call that high jump final. I actually was the official archive for Lisa Carrington for the IOC. And so when these things are played in museums in Lausanne and stuff, I guess that's really what makes me proud. But I, I, look, I, I've personally just been really happy with the way this has gone. I'm in a really good headspace with my broadcasting at the moment. Sort of got rid of a bit of anxiety, been carrying for a long time. And so this is just... Yeah, this is the childhood dream. I don't take any of it for granted. I don't say no to 
anything. Like I did five hours of commentary this morning. I've just sort of come back here for a bit of a rest. I've got to go back in tonight. I've got the final of the women's softball, which is a repeat of the Tokyo Olympics. So that's between the United States and Japan. And then following that, you know, I'll make my debut in flag football. And um, yeah, look, I'm just living the dream. I hope other opportunities come out of it. Um, look, it's never been about money for me. It's just simply, yeah, it's just an absolute love. And I, I just feel incredibly honoured, um, always have. And, yeah, I just sit here sometimes and I pinch myself a little bit and think of the size of the audience and where we're going. Um, you know, I sat there the other day into the Marathon Canoe, which was over 21 kilometres, a great race between Denmark and South Africa. You know, I'm working with some of the best um, commentators in the world, uh, some of the best experts in the world. And, you know, just, just getting their acknowledgement as well is, is really, really special, Smithy. So, yeah, I, I you know, I'm um, incredibly grateful. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, been, it's been tough. It hasn't always been, as you know, broadcasting, it's, it's up and down. It, it's, 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 sometimes I feel a little bit like that rock band that had to play every small, every small act around the country to sort of get your break. And, you know, I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, at the moment, I, I'm in a really, really good place with it so yeah i'm thoroughly enjoying it you mentioned uh mark uh, lovely to hear that stuff actually and uh that you're getting fulfilled in that way um you you mentioned earlier on about uh, the significance of birmingham alabama i'm not sure uh, you sound very busy whether you've been out and about um enough to get a a real feel for the city but would you real would you know um is there any uh any real indication of that you'd know how historic it was in terms of uh, civil rights yeah, look, when I turned up, and I'd always heard of Birmingham, Alabama, and then sort of the light switch went off when I suddenly started um, doing a little bit of research on it. I had to do a throwback to television New Zealand last week for breakfast, and I just wanted to make sure I you know, knew a little bit about the city. Uh, but yeah, when you come here, they're incredibly proud of it. You know, they know that it was this city that was a real turning point for the better of humanity. This is where it all started with Martin Luther King. There was a huge amount of segregation in the United States. I mean, you know, you had 60% of the population back in the 1960s was white, 40% was black, yet black people were two and a half times higher unemployment. They were paid two and a half times less. Um, And, yeah, I mean, as a city, you don't come here. This is not Paris. This is not Rome. There's not a lot of famous landmarks. Um, At times, it's got that sort of slightly industrial feel, but in a funny kind of way, that is the romance. The romance is going to the Southern Baptist Church. It's going to the civil rights museums. It's talking to the people who, you know, when you do sit down and talk to the African-American population, they are incredibly proud. They all know somebody who was involved in those peace marches. And, yeah, and I, yeah, and you know, and, and they've been just the most gracious people, incredibly um, hospitable. And, yeah, couldn't be more welcoming. And, um, look, I've got an extra day here on Monday, and that's what I plan on doing is just really going to those historic civil rights landmarks and just taking some time. Um, but, yeah, when you walk around the city itself, it's, um, yeah, there's nothing there's nothing really that stands out. It's only when you sort of actually do your research, then you start to realise the significance of the town hall or the city hall, because that's where those peace marks, ultimate peace marches ultimately ended up finishing. But you go back and you look at the photos and encourage people to do it. I mean, just the way the police treated the protesters, it was just, just how, how one um, 
you know, how one group of people can treat another uh, back then, you know, it wasn't even that long ago. It's, it's just diabolical, just appalling. Um, but, yeah, but look, the other thing too, Smithy, I've been given the honour too of now getting to call a closing ceremony and really looking forward to that. That's oh. um, a sellout of 35,000 people. Lionel Richie will be performing. Um, yeah, so incredibly honoured to be able to add that to my CV and, um, just take it all in, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so look, there is a YouTube through the Olympic broadcast. There is a, a, a live stream, definitely. If you can't get it in New Zealand, you can get it through YouTube through the Olympic Channel. They're running a live stream um, pretty much every day. So, when we're on tonight, uh, you can catch the flag football. If you're into your softball, you can watch a repeat of the women's final from Tokyo last year. It should be a stunner. Uh, the two powerhouses, Japan versus the United States, and you might hear my dulcet tones there, Smithy, in the background chipping in. <laughs> um, Mark, incredibly, I've loved this interview because I've heard a side of you um, which is incredibly fulfilling, to be fair. Uh, congratulations, mate, on, on what you uh, have achieved over there in a short space of time to be given the honours and the privileges uh, of calling those big uh, major events. is fantastic. Uh, I, can, I can only be jealous of you and you're learning so much at the same time. Uh, the important thing is travel safe, mate. Uh, look forward to seeing you back home and uh, the studio's back here at some stage. Yeah, now, Smithy, my British commentators are constantly asking me, what's Ian Smith like? They loved you during the Cricket World Cup. I said, he's a gentleman, he's a scholar. And there you go. So you've got a big fan base over here amongst my fellow British commentators, Smith, that they all know who you are. Well, Mark, uh, grab hold of them and let them take you out for dinner tonight. You know why? Because it's three years to the day since they ripped us off. Three years to the day. So make sure you grab, grab, grab hold of them and uh, say, you owe, me, you owe me dinner and this is the reason why. And Ian Smith said to, that it has to happen. Mate, hey, mate, thanks so no, much fantastic. for your time. Hey, cool. lovely, love, lovely really chatting to you, Smithy. Thank you. Cheers, mate. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.